go now to Joshua chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, well, better yet, will you stand with me? I have it printed out here on the screen. We're going to talk about choosing your God. Joshua 24. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. It should be for you. And uh, it goes like this. This is the message translation. It says, Joshua called together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He called in the elders, chiefs, judges, and officers. They presented themselves before God. Then Joshua addressed all the people. This is what God, the God of Israel, says. So this is a prophetic statement through Joshua. This is God speaking. A long time ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived to the east of the river Euphrates. They worshipped other gods. It, I took your ancestor, Abraham, from the far side of the river. I led him all over the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. Then I gave Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I let Esau have the mountains of Seir as home. But Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron. I hit Egypt hard with plagues and then led you out of there. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. You came to the sea, the Egyptians in hot pursuit with chariots and cavalry to the very edge of the Red Sea. Then they cried out to help, for help to God. He put a cloud between you and the Egyptians and then let the sea loose on them. It drowned them. You watched the whole thing with your own eyes, what I did to Egypt. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the country of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan, and they fought you. But I fought for you, and you took their land. I destroyed them for you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, made his appearance. He was the king of Moab. He got ready to fight Israel by sending for Balaam, son of Beor, to come and curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. He ended up blessing you over and over. I saved you from him. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The Jericho leaders ganged up on you, as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites but I turned them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you. I drove out the two Amorite kings, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. I handed uh, you a land for which you did not work, towns you did not build, and here you are now living in them and eating from the vineyards and olive groves. So now, fear God. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt. You worship God. If you decide that's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods of your ans- that your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. As for me and my family, we'll worship God. The people answered, we'd never forsake God, never. We'd never leave God. 
to worship other gods. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Joshua and the history of the nation of Israel and for your hand upon them and your leading and guiding and protecting them and opening doors and, uh, and winning battles in their lives. But Lord, not only have you put your hand upon them, you put your hand upon us as well. And you lead us and guide us and you fight our battles. Lord, we pray that as we consider your word this morning that we would be encouraged, strengthened, and determined to put you first and foremost in this new year that you've given us. We ask your blessing upon our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, 2013 is race to pass. Anybody want 2013 back? I'll give you mine. <laughs> if you want it back, you could have, you could have some of mine, I think. Uh, it was a good year. God blessed us and, and kept us, but uh, it's it just one of, one of those years that I, I think almost everybody I've talked to said, well, I'm glad it's gone. Let, let's get on with 2014, and uh, we're five days into that already. The Christmas season was warm and wonderful. We had uh, just a great time at our Christmas programs, uh, the, the children's program on Sunday night, and then the Sunday morning program at the Steve and the, the cast of characters, uh, what a blessing. How many of you got to see that Sunday morning program? Oh, the rest of you missed a, a, a great thing. In fact, uh, the, the good thing about the program was the program. The bad thing about the program was that there weren't enough people here and that you promised you would invite people and bring them to church, and you didn't do that. So let me get on your case a bit about that, that, that you need to be busy inviting people to come to church, you know. You, you got a friend or a neighbor or family member that keeps saying they're going to come. Drive them crazy, you know. Bring them to church. Just get on that. All right. Well, we had a great time there. We had a great time at our uh, open house at our house. That was great fun. And uh, we had that New Year's Eve service out there in the Hollywood Park where we prayed over the city. What are you going to do with 2014? What, what are you going to do with this? Here's a, here's a gift that God has laid out before you. Now, of course, I can't guarantee you that it's going to be 365 days long. You know, all I know is it's five days long so far. I, I do believe that Jesus could come at any moment, that the rapture could take place at any time, that there is nothing preventing that. That's... My belief, in fact, we're going to get into that here in the near future as well uh, to reinforce our understanding of that belief, why we believe that, what the Bible says about it. So as God gives you each day, if he gives you six days this year or six, 365 days this year, what are you going to do with them? How are you going to treat them? What's going to be your priority? What are you going to put first? Uh, this wasn't intended to be a sales pitch for Operation Solid Life, but it certainly would go in the right direction, you know, that that will help. Could we open this door and, and Bobby and Karen are in there. I don't, I don't mean to isolate them. <laughs> so, let me, thank you. What are you going to do with 2014? You're just going to let it take you a day at a time? 
He's just going to wait and see what happens, what other shoe drops. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Bobby. God bless you. <laughs> Glad you're here. Didn't know you were in there. Uh, you're just going to let it catch up with you as it comes and, and wait and see what happens, you know. I'm not psychic and not able to see what lies ahead for this year. You know, the stock market could continue to, to set new records. You know, it could reach 17,000, 18,000. Who knows? Uh, jobs might become easier to find. And in making up this list, I realize that it's possible you'll think this is sarcastic. It wasn't intended to be. You know, all things are possible. And these things can improve. And, and it should be your prayer, and it is mine, that they do improve. You know, that this all works better and goes along better. It could be that the health care program will start to work as it ought to work and will become a real blessing to many people as it's designed to do. And it's my prayer that it will. You know, so I'm, I'm not being sarcastic about that. The civil war in Syria could end. What a tragic event that has been. And that wouldn't it be a glorious thing if there was peace brought there. That would be wonderful. And I pray that that happens. Uh, that Iran would stop its madness trying to find a nuclear weapon or trying to build a nuclear weapon. That that would get resolved. That some kind of a treaty could be established to, to end that madness. And uh, that Israel could just live in peace and prosperity without the constant worry and fear that they're looking down at every neighbor's gun barrel and, and uh, living in fear of their very lives. I, I wish things would go so well that our food bank demand would drop. That next year we wouldn't need, we'd, we'd only need to feed 10,000 people instead of 20,000. Yes. You know? Why? Because I'm stingy? No. I, I just hope that people's economy builds up, gets blessed so that they don't have to depend on handouts, but that they can take care of themselves. So uh, all of those things are possible. I, I, I pray that we would see a revival at Grapevine, that this place would be filled with people seeking God seven days a week, you know, that, that we would have a constant revival going on, and that it would sweep this city and it would sweep this nation. I don't care if it starts at Grapevine. I don't care where it starts as long as I get some, you know. The revival comes. And so that's our prayer. Those are all on my list for 2014. And none of those things are within my control or they're not within your control either other than praying about them is all we can do for that. But you can guarantee that this will be your personal best year with the Lord ever. You can do that. That's something you can accomplish. The rest of the world could fall apart. All of these things could go backwards. But your personal best year, your personal best relationship with Jesus is still available. You are the one that can take action and bring that to pass. Again, OSL would be a good place to start. But in our scripture reading, Joshua called the people of Israel to Shechem. Shechem. And you might just read right past that and not even think about it. Uh, but Shechem, according to Genesis 12, it says Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. This was the place that Abraham lived the most of his life was at Shechem. It's a large, wide valley able to house the entire nation of Israel at this point in time where Joshua is now 
uh, addressing them. We understand that the nation of Israel at that time would have been around uh, one and a half to two million people. And this was a valley large enough to accommodate them. Many scholars believe that when they came to Shechem, they came and camped out in the same order that they camped out while they were wandering in the wilderness. The different families camped together in, in the location. And perhaps they even set the uh, tabernacle up, established the tabernacle there in the valley of Shechem as well. This was holy ground. This was sacred ground. And it was a place where Abraham had been that he passed through the land to the place of Shechem. This is the the first home address God gave Abraham in that land. As far as the Tenebeth tree of Morah, and you'll read uh, a number of things that happened around the Tenebeth tree of Morah. Tenebeth is an oak tree to us. uh, And uh, Abram camped under the oak trees in that valley and uh, became a sacred spot to the nation of Israel and all the descendants of Abraham. Uh, Still consider this a sacred spot. All the Canaanites... Uh, were then in the land, even while Abraham is living in Shechem, it's part of the land, but the Canaanites still inhabited the land around about them. It said, then the Lord appeared to Abraham at Shechem. God appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is the place where Abraham had come and God had spoken to him and said, Abraham, I'm giving you this land. So Theoretically, at least, this is the capital of Israel at this point in history. This is the, the, the center of their focus and their worship in, in that land because this was the place where Father Abraham had uh, lived and heard from God and where Father Abraham had established an altar in memory of what God had said. You know, I've told you on a number of occasions that uh, we need to build altars in our own lives that we need to remember and commemorate those places when God spoke to us and established something that we, we clearly understand. This I'm reminded of this. You know, I, uh, I told you that I, here in a recent trip to northern Nevada, uh, stopped. I was alone for whatever reason. My wife wasn't with me. And I stopped and built an altar at the place where God spoke to me as he called me to Las Vegas. And uh, so I, I got out of the car there a few months back and I, and I found some large stones and I piled them up. And uh, as we came back this trip from uh, our family gathering up there, I was able to point out to my wife, it was still daylight, said, see, the, see my altar there? Can you see that on that hillside? Said, yeah, 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 there, there's a pile of rocks there. What is that? Well, that's, that's, that's Dean's altar. Well, what's that for? Well, because this is the place when I was driving down the road that God spoke to me and, and asked me if, he, if I would give him a year. And I gave it to him. And uh, that brought me to Grapevine Fellowship, and it's a long story. But uh, Abraham had built an altar saying God spoke to me there. Are there places in your life where God spoke to you? And you know, Do you think about those things? Do you remember that God has spoken to you? So often we we get, you know, three or four years of maybe a dry spell, so to speak, in our spiritual walk that it just seems things go on and on and on and we're busy, busy, busy and, and we don't think about it. But you need to remember when God called you, where God called you and how he spoke to you. You need to be reminded of those things. In fact, uh, the, one of the great purposes of an altar is that children will say, why did you do that? 
Why did you stop and get out of the car and put a bunch of pile of rocks up there? What's that for? Well, let me tell you the story then. That's when God began to speak to me, and this is what Abraham had done. He, he went to that valley, and when God spoke to him, Abraham built an altar and said, I want every family member to know why this pile of rocks is here. I want you to know what God said here, and he would rehearse that story over and over. Let me encourage you to build some family altars. I don't Pastor Jack Hayford says there's an altar on the 405 freeway. He said, you can't see it, but he can. He said, when I'm going past a certain spot, every time I'm reminded of what God said at that time and at that place to me, and it became a very prominent and profound work of God in my life. He said, so when I drive down the 405, every time I get to a certain spot, nobody else on the freeway knows a thing, but I know that's a place where God spoke to me. You need that in your life. You need to go back and, and think about that. And you need to take time as the children of Israel are doing here where they're called together in this holy convocation, this gathering together the people of God and sit and be quiet a few minutes and say, Lord, when did you speak to me last? When did I last hear from heaven? When did I last feel the move of God in my life? When did I last change direction? Because God clearly laid something in my life. You don't want to forget those things. You don't want to let them be passed off. You know, sometimes somebody say, oh, well, oh, you, God didn't really speak to you. You just, you just had heartburn or something, you know. It, it was just a, a moment in your life, and it didn't really mean anything. You know, the enemy will try to talk you out of it. But there are places in my life, uh, I was thinking of Old Oak Ranch and up near Sonora was the youth camp that we attended as, when I was a youth. And I, I could. They've remodeled the building now, so it's not the same at all. But I could take you to the tile that I was kneeling on when God spoke to me. It was right out in the middle of the room. looked like all the rest of the tile, but I know which one it was. God called me to ministry right there on that spot. That, that's the tile right there. You know, and that became a very precious place to me. It still is. You know, it still warms my heart. In fact, a few years back, quite a few years back, uh, when we were... Still doing our survey business. My sons worked for me, and we went up to do some survey work for Old Oak Ranch. And during our lunch break, we sat down at a picnic table, and they began to talk. And they said, yeah, this is, this is a really special place for us. You know, God said this. God did that. It was right over there that this happened, and it was over there that that happened. And I said, you, for you too, me too. You know, let me tell you what God did for me here. And, and so we had that place that is an altar or a special place to us uh, where, where God spoke into our lives as God had spoken to Abraham. So much of Abraham's life was centered in the valley of Shechem and Joshua called the family, this two million strong nation of Israel, back to holy ground. Shechem is located between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And if you've read the Old Testament, you'll find that those become very prominent places throughout the history uh, of the nation of Israel. And uh, they reaffirmed their commitment. Shechem was truly holy ground where important events happened. And then Joshua says to all the people, where did the important events in your life take place? Did, can you identify those? Do you have something in mind that this is, this is the place? We need those. We need to hang on to those. 
we need to rehearse those to friends and family. So Joshua says, thus says the Lord. So Joshua is prophesying. He is speaking for God. So the words that follow then are the words of God. The God of Israel says, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. And that one's out of place. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. And I gave him Isaac. If you'll notice as we read through this, the number of times the word I is there. You know, when you and I write something and we say, I did this and I did that and I did the other thing, pretty egocentric, right? You know, we're just all self-absorbed. But when God says, I did this and I did that and I did the other thing, it's a reminder to us that you didn't do it. He did it. So he says, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and let him. In fact, we don't read that Abraham was out there saying, oh, God, where are you? I need to find you. You know, uh, these uh, wooden gods that my father serves don't seem right. Help me find the true and living God. We don't hear that prayer from Abraham. We hear God saying, Abraham, I'm calling you. Come with me. Did God call you? Did you go finding God? Did you just one day sit down with the phone book and pick out a church to go to and say, I think I'll go to... Somehow you got to the G's and found grapevine. Or did God put his hand on you? And through his circumstance and situations, drew you to himself. That's what happened to Abraham. And Joshua is reminding the people of Israel that Abraham didn't call God. God called Abraham. And he led him out. He said, I gave him Isaac. You remember that story, right? Who did Abraham get? Abraham begat Ishmael, right? You remember the story. Oh, well, we can't have any kids. Well, I, I got that. Here, here, here's a plan. Let's, let's have a baby with the maid, and that, that'll work everything out, and then God will be happy, and we'll be happy. And I'll tell you what, Abraham lived to regret that decision. You know? <laughs> and uh, so Joshua says, no, no. God gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I, God, gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but to Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. So God even designed that real estate on which they lived and how their lives were ordered. And I sent Moses and Aaron. Well, you go back over the story of Moses. That was an amazing story by itself, right? A baby in the bulrushes because he was supposed to be put to death and mama wasn't going to do it and all of that. Just seems like a natural story. Just seems like what a, a, a longing mother would do. Surely she wouldn't just automatically throw her baby in the river. So she figured out a plan. But you have to know that God was in that all the way through, every step of the way that God had something going on there. So he says, I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards, I brought you out. God says, I'm active in you. Are you aware that God's active in your life? That God's doing these things? Sometimes you think, well, you know, boy, I'm genius. I I figured this all out by myself. I I just, you know, I, I have the greatest strategy for the stock market, and I've got... I am being silly now. 
No, the hand of God is in every move we make if we allow him to. He said, I wouldn't listen to Balaam. The story where Balak goes out and says, well, these people are in my territory and I'm going to get the man of God to come up and curse them. So he hires Balaam to come up and curse them. Balaam goes up on the mountain, raises his hand, builds an altar, raises his hands, goes through the ceremony, opens his mouth. Out of his mouth comes blessings on Israel. Balak says, what are you doing? Don't bless them, curse them. He said, well, wait, it's not working here. Let's go a little higher on the mountain. So they go up on the next mountain, get a little higher, build another altar, get all prepared, go through the incantations and all this. Balaam raises his hands to curse Israel. And out of his mouth come blessings. Balak said, I'm going to have your head on a platter, man. Don't bless them. Curse them. He said, well, mojo's not working here. Let's go up higher on the mountain. He does it a third time. And Balaam opens his mouth again. Blessings come out on Israel. Balak said, what are you doing? You don't expect to get paid for this, do you? He said, I... I can't curse what God has blessed. I just can't curse what God has blessed. You know there may be people trying to curse you, trying to put you down, trying to mess up your job or your neighborhood or your relationship or whatever. But what God has blessed can't be cursed. So I want God's blessing. I want his provision. You know? And then I don't have to worry about what somebody else thinks or what somebody else cares. Notice how many times I, God's doing things in Israel's life, but he's nonetheless active in your life. He he ministers to you. He's active in your behavior. If God were to speak to you in the first person today, if God were to say, I did this, what would it be? And you thought about those things that God did in your life. I did this. I provided that. I brought you to this point. I arranged this in your life. Because if you stop and think about the things where you took control, that's where your problems started. Amen? Hello? That's, when I get in the way, that's where my problem starts. To the extent I listen to God, my life is ultimately blessed. What's God done in your life? Or did you just suddenly decide to get religious and go into church? Or did he call you? Did something inside just not work anymore? You just said, I got to find the answer. I need him. I need to get busy before God. Did you get victory over drugs and alcohol all by yourself? Did you just become man enough, strong enough, clear-headed enough that you could defeat that? No. If you have been delivered from that, you have to know that God is the one that brought you through that. That verse, it was back there, let's see. John 15, 16, you did not choose me. That goes for you, that goes for me. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's what God has done for us. 
I chose you. And I want the best for you. I want you to be fruitful, and I want that fruit to remain. Amen. I sent a hornet ahead of you. I drove out the two Amorite kings. He's talking about the land of Canaan when they finally went in and possessed it. He said, I, I sent a hornet ahead of you. They, they weren't literal hornets. They were just a buzz in their head. They got crazy. They couldn't, they fought each other. They went nuts. Uh, I'm going to work on, uh, I, I just finished reading Four Blood Moons by John Hagee, and I highly recommend that book. If you want some interesting reading, uh, you might get a copy of that. And uh, in the future, I will probably have a series of messages that touch on some of that information. But uh, one of the things that he, he comes up with was during the 67 war in Israel. And I didn't, don't have the facts in front of me, so I'm fuzzy on it. But during the 67 war in Israel, God's, the, the enemies surrounding Israel were enormous. And Israel's ability to defend themselves was minuscule. And God worked just as miraculously in 1967 as he did back here in the days of the Amorites. That things just, enemy, one story I do recall, down, down towards Gaza, one of the, the main fortified cities. Egypt was uh, attacking them from the Gaza area. Uh, Jordan was along the Jordanian border. Syria was attacking and Lebanon was attacking. All of their neighbors were attacking them. And so they sent troops down to a main city in the Gaza area. And the Egyptian troops had set themselves up on the west side of the city because it was close to the ocean. So they figured that an attack from Israel would come in from the sea and that's how they would come in and, and attack the land. And somehow Israel, in their mind, never thought about attacking from the sea, they sent their few men in down from the the land part and came in from the east side. And as the Israelis walked into the city from the east side, the people of the city thought that they were Iraqis come to help defend their city. So they opened the doors and cheered them as they came into their town. And it wasn't until one of the commanders insisted that one of the guards put his gun down that they realized these weren't Iraqis at all. These were the Israelis themselves. And they were already in the city and had already taken it completely. And when that word got out to the Egyptian troops outside the wall, thought they were defending the city, that Israel had already taken it, Egypt fled and ran back. Literally, Israel didn't fire a shot and took the Gaza Strip on its own. That happened over and over and over again in 1967. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. In 1967, in our time, God doing these miraculous works. 
And, and I don't know if you know the history or not, but Israel won the 1967 war in seven days, six days, and, and took the city of Jerusalem and conquered new territory, which they're now negotiating, trying to get them give, it, give some of the land back that they, they conquered during that war. Well, God did the same thing for Israel in the days of the Amorites. He said, I sent a hornet ahead of you. I drove the kings out. I did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. I did it. Think about the victories in your life. Oh, it was so hard. You just don't know how hard I worked to get all of this done, clean and sober. And Yeah, you put some effort into it, but who did the victory? Who, who won the battle? He did. He said, I handed you a land. I handed you a land that you didn't work for, towns you didn't build. Here you are now living in them and eating them from the vineyards and the olive groves. So here's the conclusion. Fear God. Worship him in total commitment. What, what have you got to do in 2014? How are you going to fix the economy? How are you going to fix the job situation? How are you going to fix anything? The only thing you can fix is you. And I'll tell you how you fix it is get yourself together with God and pursue him with everything you've got. You will find that 2014 will be the best year you've ever had. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river Euphrates and in Egypt. You worship God. I don't care what family traits, what generational curses or problems have come down. You know, my family uh, has uh, this kind of disease or that kind of disease, and this is just, oh, I know it's going to get me. Are you serious? Are you a child of God or not? Is God your father? If God's your father, what kind of disease does he have? Expect that kind of a life. Believe him for that kind of a life. He's your father. Claim his victory. Don't claim your mother-in-law's problems. Just pray for her. Fear God. Worship him in total, total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors. Get rid of the gods of your land. The world is wrapped up in all of the gods of this world. Our city, of course, is famous for its uh, participation and uh, promotion of all those things. Amen? You know that? Put those things away. Get rid of that. Say with Joshua. Oh, let's see. There was another paragraph there. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God and choose a God you'd rather serve, you know, let's serve somebody. Uh, Bob Dylan did an album years ago that said, you've got to serve somebody back during his uh, spiritual days. You've got to serve somebody. There's so much truth in that. You say, oh, I'm free to, you know, go out and drink and carouse and do all the things the world says is fun. Yeah, you are. You're free to do that. But that'll bring you into bondage so fast, you won't know what hit you. You know, or you can serve God and follow him, and that'll bring you into freedom. If you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. He said, get on with it. 
Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living now. He said, go ahead, try the gods of Las Vegas. You know, put it all on the red or the black. See where that gets you. Go ahead. Put your faith in megabucks. You know, try it out. See if that'll get you someplace. It will. A dollar poorer, I can guarantee it. The odds are in my favor, millions to one. Are you going to serve the gods of this land or are you going to serve the living God? Well, that's where we need to be in the early day of 2014. If you'll pursue God with all you've got, if you'll just give him a little more of your attention, you discover 2014 will go by with the blessings of God and the hand of God and the, the grace of God upon your life, and you'll be wondering, how did that happen? The world fell apart. The world, chaotic. But I just kept walking, and I have a peace, and everything around me seemed to go in the right direction. Does that mean you'll never have a test or a trial? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you that as you go through that test and trial, there'll be a peace about it. You know, Jack's sitting here this morning, and he's lost his... 43-year-old son, and that's enough to just drive anybody crazy. But there's a peace about it. There's a peace. Choose this day who you're going to serve. Make this one of those hallmark days, saying, Lord, I'll give you my life. I I want more of you. We, We talk about it. We acknowledge we needed to do it. We say, yeah, 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 you know, maybe when I get old, well, let me tell you, when you get old, you won't have any more time than when when you were young. You know, I don't have any more time than you do. I've got a bucket list that's, uh, you know, I'm having to throw things out because I know I can't make that. So it's a matter of selecting our priorities and saying, okay, this is what I'm focused on. This is is what's going to bring me the most benefit. This is what I need. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Joshua, the nation of Israel, and what you did in their history. But that is exactly that. It's history. But what you're doing right now in our lives is our own history. And there have been many times, Lord, that you have spoken to us. You've called us. And the very fact that we're here today calling upon your name and seeking your face is a result of you seeking us. And we thank you so for that. We pray that you'd give us wisdom, courage, understanding to pursue you with all we've got. Lord, to push aside the things of this world that do us no good, all the worry and anxiety about things we can't even fix, and pursue you with a passionate heart. and Come to know your hand of direction and provision upon us every step of the way in 2014. Lord, bless us as we walk before you guide us. We just open the door and say, Lord, come in. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.